0: Hey, and welcome back to the Business of Healthcare podcast. I hope you guys are doing well. So every so often, we invite an organisation to come on to cover a topic which is really, really important to me. We have had NHS Blood and Transplant come on to talk about the importance of giving blood. DKMS have also come on. We've also had the Bee Tree community come on and talk about loneliness and the wonderful work that they are doing to reduce that loneliness for their community members. And today I have the pleasure of bringing to you The Haven. So The Haven are a domestic abuse charity based in Wolverhampton. So, the Haven predominantly support women and children who have been subjected to domestic abuse and women who are at risk of homelessness. And the main reason I wanted to come along was, A, I wanted to learn more about their wonderful work. And the aim of them coming on was to raise awareness of the importance of accessing and getting training We also talk about their Purple Pledge policy. It's a shorter episode than usual. Please listen to the end. It's really, really interesting and really, really, really important. Hey, Tracy! Thank you so much for joining me today on the Business of Healthcare podcast. How are you doing? I'm
1: fine, thank you. Thank you for having
0: me. My pleasure. My pleasure. So, The Business of Healthcare podcast is a broad show and I want to use this platform to help educate members of the public and healthcare professionals on the, the wide variety of healthcare issues and concerns that cross our paths and just to help them learn a little bit more about them. And a really big topic that we are having lots of conversations in my line of work is around domestic abuse. So I wanted to have you guys on just for you to share a little bit about yourself Um, who you work for what you do and to help give our audience some tools and some resources for them to access if unfortunately they find themselves or a colleague or a friend in a situation which may require some support yes okay so could you introduce a little bit about who you are and where you work
1: Yes, certainly. So I work for um, a wonderful charity called The Haven in Wolverhampton. Uh, we've been around since uh, 1973 and we support um, uh, predominantly women and children in the local area, but also within the community, uh, other areas of the community around domestic abuse. So anybody that is experiencing, uh, wishes to have support, needs to flee, come into accommodation. But then we also do a lot of wraparound services. um, So we also will support um, people to become financial financially independent, go into their own properties or stay in their own properties, um, maybe um, work with children as well that have witnessed domestic abuse, counselling services, so many, many services. And um, my uh, job um, is um, it has a wonderful title of enterprise manager. Um, basically, that means I go out to organisations and I also set up social uh, businesses as well. My part where I go out to organisations is very much around training and education, anybody, so any organisation in any sector uh, of any size, Uh, come come on our training our aim basically we've got something called the purple pledge campaign and what we're trying to do is to get every organization in the UK uh, to have a specific and robust domestic abuse policy in place Um, there are um, many organizations that don't unfortunately only about five to ten percent still have a domestic abuse policy in place so that would be wonderful if we could get everybody to uh, sign up to the purple pledge and get one of those in place. But we also want to educate people so that they feel confident if anybody discloses to them. So we do domestic abuse awareness training within workplaces. And we also as well provide training so that uh, people can become workplace uh, ambassadors, champions, whichever title you want to use. But it's basically uh, trying to get at least one of those into every organisation as well.
0: So there's a lot there. There is a lot there. <laughs> there's a lot there. So I wanted to just start with, in regards to the Purple Pledge. So I'm an organisation. I've got a small team.
1: Yeah.
0: Why do? Why should I have? Why should I have a de- dedicated domestic abuse policy?
1: Okay, so um, very often um, when we put policies in place, it's because we're sending out messages to people about how we're going to look after them, what our policies are going to do if things happen to them. And that's the same with domestic abuse policies. If you've got somebody that is experiencing domestic abuse, you may not know it in your workplace because they probably won't have talked to you about it. If you show them through policy and training and actually showing them that you're a zero tolerance employer, they may feel that they feel confident to come and talk to you. And you could be the first person that they've actually told um, that they're um, speaking to, telling somebody that they're having issues. If you've got a policy in place that is robust, that policy will not only guide them, but it will guide you about how you can help them how you can support them and what you can do internally and then who you can go to to refer them so that they can get that support. You're not there to be an expert as an employer. What we will give you is tools so that you know how to support and that policy is that starting point.
0: And is that is the Purple Pledge specific to um, the Haven or is this a nationwide campaign? Uh, it's a
1: nationwide campaign It is specific to the haven because we set it up okay. um okay. because um basically we we started out um it, it seemed like a good idea of mine at the time it was actually my my brainchild idea. And it seemed a, a good idea at the time, because I wanted to roll it out in the West Midlands and the black country. It's been so popular that other regions, other people, local authorities, organisations have started to come to us nationally and say, can we be part of this as well, which is wonderful, because that shows you that there's a lot of proactive companies out there wanting to support their employees if they have been subjected to domestic abuse. But it also shows you as well there's a lot of employees out there that would like actually to support maybe their family their friends people they know in the community and that's what it's about so the purple pledge policy can be accessed by anybody in the uk and
0: we'll cover this at the end but how do you how do they how can they get their policy or how can they start to implement it okay
1: well they can uh, jump to, onto our website and 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 go onto there and tell us that they're interested in and in having a chat Um, basically what we have got is a domestic abuse uh, policy which is a template so if they don't have anything in place they don't want to write it themselves there is a template ready to go which includes all uh, legislation that is going to be relevant to them um, what they should do um, as procedures the definition the types of domestic abuse so it is very very in-depth and robust so um, that can be purchased from us um, for a, a very small sum of £50. So you've got a policy ready to go. And then from there, what we'll do is talk to the organisation about their needs, their requirements based on number of employees, where people work. Um, we will do domestic abuse awareness training with them and then workplace champion training with them. That can be accessed through webinars face to face we do e-learning as well so if you've got your organization has maybe many sites around the UK or people are spread out or on different shifts or they need to access something um, outside of work time then there are options as well of how people can access things.
0: Have you received any objections has anybody said well I don't need I don't need this it's not my responsibility? Uh, Yes, um, we we do get people, organisations
1: that may say to us, we don't need it, we don't have any problems with domestic abuse here. I'd question that. Now, the reason I would question that is when we do our training, um, a lot of our webinars are kept quite um, small. So we do between up to uh, eight, usually to 10. Sometimes we do larger. But say we're doing a webinar where there's 10 people, I can guarantee that there will be at least one disclosure of domestic abuse, either That person has been subjected to domestic abuse or they recognize that a colleague is going through something, a friend, a family member. But it can be up to at least half. So I've actually had with a group of eight people, over half those people telling me something about domestic abuse that they have witnessed, um, either themselves, as I say, or somebody else. So that is a lot if you consider that's quite a small yeah. set of people. And one of the things we want to do is to get out to every size organisation. So what we will do is if an organisation has got less than 10 people, we will provide a free policy. We will also provide um, a free champion place, and all they have to pay for is the domestic abuse awareness webinar to get them started. Um, So um, if you, for example, have an organisation where you've got eight employees, for £35, you can get the policy um, awareness training for one person and domestic abuse workplace champion training. Thank you.
0: I'm thinking of kind of my healthcare colleagues that maybe that they work in a hospital. Yes. Well, any kind of health and care facility, to be fair. isn't Would domestic abuse kind of be picked up in their safeguarding policies and training?
1: Not always. Um, if it was, we wouldn't be doing training out to GPs at the moment, social subscri- uh, prescribers. Um, we're also, um, we work with uh, social workers. We work with midwives nurses. So very often, no, that training doesn't always uh, include domestic abuse training, certainly doesn't include domestic abuse training in any depth, it may have touched on it at some stage, we know through a lot of the training that uh, some healthcare professionals go through, maybe at university and college, that doesn't Uh, cover domestic abuse within that training and you would think it would at that stage as well to actually start to talk about it. So very often as well a domestic abuse case and a safeguarding case may need to have a different approach to it. It doesn't mean that it needs the same approach. It can be two different sort of sets of things. Now that doesn't mean that a safeguarding professional and somebody that has gone through domestic abuse training shouldn't be working together with each other and communicating far from it. It should be an approach where people are talking to each other to make sure it's person centred. Because that's the big thing. You know, we may make assumptions about what a person may need but unless you're stopping to talk to them in the right way and ask the right questions you may be making assumptions you may also be acting almost in the same way as a perpetrator abuser does by telling somebody what they should be doing and what they shouldn't be doing and obviously what we want to do is encourage people to listen and support that person and put that person at the center of their journey.
0: Could you share, are you able to provide some like national statistics regarding domestic abuse in the UK? Uh, A lot of the statistics are out of
1: date at the moment. It depends what sort of statistics you want. Um, uh, I think it's something like a uh, hundred and odd thousand to seven hundred and fifty thousand people have experienced domestic abuse. Uh, I think that was in twenty twenty. If you look at the figures, um, not sure uh, that we would agree with all of these because actually uh, a lot of uh, domestic abuse for all genders, all sexualities, all sexual orientations is underreported because there is a stigma and taboo still about it. Um, but if you look at there is a stat out there that you can um, get online, which is one in six uh, women, um, sorry, um, yeah, one in uh, three women, one in six men have, have been through domestic abuse. You will uh, find that there is stats out there uh, about. Uh, who has been sexually abused when they've been um, in a, a bisexual um, relationship as well. And you will find that there's lots of stats out there that says that it's often by family members. So there's there's lots of things out there that tell you um, varying stats. What you will find is it's all too many. Is the answer to that one. Nicole Jacobs, um, the um, Domestic Abuse Commissioner, uh, she came into place with the new Domestic Abuse Act 2021. So they've done a lot around surveys of everybody that has accessed services around the country, um, anybody that has experienced domestic abuse, and we're waiting uh, for a lot of those stats to come out to really show us what's going on at the moment.
0: And can you give us an indication of the demand for your services? Like I know you've got you've got a call center. So how many calls did you receive last year? 2020?
1: I like I like the phrase that you call it
0: call centre.
1: It's bigger than it is. Um and the reality is we've got some wonderful people working on our helpline but it is a very small dedicated team as it is with many providers around the country so where you bear in mind that um, during 21-22 we took over 11,000 calls that sort of puts it in perspective that you've got a small team there of anywhere between sometimes a a few people manning the phone up to sort of a team of six, 10 manning the phone. That's a lot of calls. That's That's a lot of calls. So, you know, we have a wonderful set of people on our front line from our helpline, that as i say take calls we've got 24 7 helpline they then refer through um to our staff that um supporting our refugees and our accommodation we've got safe accommodation um they're always sort of there 24 7 as well supporting people so we have a fantastic team as do many many providers around the country as well Uh, some uh, are specific to certain genders, some are specific to certain cultures. Um, So there is a lot of resources out there that often people don't realise.
0: And how do you work in partnership with healthcare professionals or is it mainly through training? Is there any further deeper conversations regarding how a particular area, I think you're based in Wolverhampton, right? We are,
1: Do do you
0: have kind of more stronger links with your community services and your health and care sector?
1: We do on the front line, yes. And you will find that um, uh, what you've got around the country is local providers. And those local providers will be working with uh, many agencies. So they'll be working with the police. They'll be working with health care professionals. They could be working with schools, social workers, um, because um, often you will find that once domestic abuse starts, it can escalate. Uh, so it can become serious. Um, you may need to start then to do uh, risk assessments with people. You may need to refer them on to um, things called marax which you, you will have heard of, I'm sure, uh,
0: yourself as all of you as healthcare professionals. But so can if I it- just actually... Yeah. I'm nodding along, but there'll be people that listen to this thinking, I, I don't know what that is. So-,
1: so basically that's a multi-agency conference. So it's where um, anybody that um, is able to support that person so that they are um, uh, not at risk or the risk is being not eliminated, but uh, managed and safeguarded against. So uh, you may find that somebody comes uh, into accommodation, or they report something to a, a, a helpline, and it sets off a process depending on um, the risk assessment that is done. So, very often there is something called a dash risk assessment, but basically looks at all of the things that could be happening to that person and at what level of risk they are of things escalating, of them uh, being at risk of further harm, maybe their children being at further harm. And it, that is an to this multi-agency conference where people will uh, sit down. Um, It has obviously been done online a lot recently. Um, It's usually um, overseen and chaired often by um, um, police uh, chairperson and a local body that is in place, and they will discuss the best ways to support that person.
0: Did you see any changes or any peaks during the height of the pandemic? Because I think I saw a lot on the news regarding with people in lockdown um, the cases of domestic abuse. There was more cases being reported. Did you find that in your services?
1: I think the reporting became more better. I don't know whether that's the right way to describe it unfortunately, what will have happened um, during lockdown is that if somebody was being abused at home, they would be spending more time with their abuser, their perpetrator. So you may find that because they were going out to work, and that was their safe time, that was their time where um, actually, um, they could um, take control of what they were doing in their day to day life. When they were at home, things may have escalated, Um, things may have become worse. But certainly, it wouldn't have ever gone away just because or it, it will have started just because of COVID. Very often, you know, there are reasons, excuses that are used for perpetration of abuse. Um, You know, you could hear that, oh, um, somebody's stressed or they've lost their job. So domestic abuse has started. I'll ask the question, uh, you know, we do this in our training. Somebody may say it's because they became ill or something like that. Have you ever been ill or off work or lost your job? Does that mean you started to perpetrate domestic abuse? The answer is probably going to be no. So it can, those can be triggers and things that will escalate the abuse, but not always the reason why. So with COVID, obviously things may become more intense. I think it was coupled with as well, it was out in the media more about how people should actually start to report and report so I think maybe people felt as if they could report more and could uh, be safer to actually report we we well we've been around since 1973 so that tells you something about now has domestic abuse come and gone no, not since 1973. Do certain things and certain triggers mean that sometimes people report more or it appears that the the problem has become has escalated more sometimes, yes, because it comes out uh, you know in the, the media and, and things like that. But now domestic abuse is always there. It's always far too much prevalent than it should be. Um, you know, it's perpetrated far more than it should be.
0: And you guys, do you work nationwide?
1: Our frontline services, we are um, uh, expert in our local area. So our frontline services, that's where uh, we are. We are part of Women's Aid, which is a national organisation. We are also part of various things where we will refer people on to more specialist providers if we aren't the right people as well. So our frontline services are very much based within the West Midlands and Wolverhampton. Our training, however, is national and a lot of our services, um, we are part of forums, we are part of um, groups where, where policies are talked about and that's done on a national basis
0: as well. And if there was one thing that you would want listeners to take away from today's episode, what would you want that to be?
1: Honestly, to whoever you are, whatever job role you're in, whatever age you're in, whatever type of relationship you're in, please go out and do some domestic abuse awareness training because you never know when you're next to somebody that may need your support and help. You never know whether you're walking past somebody that you might just spot something or recognise something that you could actually uh, then support them in some way, and a work colleague as well. You know, Very often, if you are in the position that you have never been exposed to domestic abuse, You won't recognise the signs. But all of a sudden, if you sit in something such as our training, any any domestic abuse, good training, you know, go out and get it. Um, But it could be that it triggers you to go. Actually, I saw somebody going through that or my work colleague gets lots of calls at work or somebody that was in reception. Whenever they come in, this happens. And it may be something then that you go. I'm going to see whether I can support that person or ask them that very important question of, are you okay? Is there anything I can help you with?
0: Thank you so much. And could you share your
1: website? Yes, our website is um, um, uh, havenrefuge.org.uk. Um, It's got all of our services on there uh, and there is a section specifically about training. I do hope that everybody uh, contacts us so that we can start to do some training because we are finding that there is some fantastic conversations going on uh, that is raising the awareness around domestic abuse
0: also wanted to show you're quite active on linkedin so that's how we connected um so um if you want to contact tracy directly i hope it's okay if you contact tracy yes. Secker, i'll also i'll put that link in the show notes so people can click on and come and have a chat
1: yep that would be lovely uh my door um Virtually speaking, he's always open. (laughs) Um, So yes, Uh, I would just like to say as well, if anybody is listening, and you feel you do need any support, our helpline is there. We also on our website have various other ways. There's WhatsApp, WhatsApp, you can email us, there is online chat. You can always send me something on um, LinkedIn, a personal message, and I will always come back to you and support you and help you.
0: Thank you so much for joining me today. No problem at all.